I'm Lauren Dimmitt Waters. I'm a New York City-based blogger and influencer who has been covering beauty, fashion, and lifestyle for what seems like forever. But now I'm a woman in midlife who wants to discover all the secrets to growing younger. I'm ready to explore topics that deal with health and anti-aging, especially when it comes to beauty, fashion, wellness, and longevity. I'll unearth what works and what you shouldn't waste your money on. Even if it's crazy, I'll hunt down the latest and greatest to help us all get through this journey called life with a little humor and a lot of attitude. I want to keep fighting the fight so we can all grow old ungracefully. So welcome to Beauty is a Bitch. Hey everyone, it's Lauren Dimmitt Waters with a new episode of Beauty is a Bitch. I am so excited for today's episode. Let me introduce my guests. I have two today. So after years of working in the industry for one of the world's largest beauty conglomerates, okay, it was L'Oreal, formulation chemist Victoria Fu and Gloria Liu left to launch their Instagram chemist confessions. From what started as their Instagram account, it grew into a popular blog, podcast, and product line. Victoria and Gloria believe that by making skincare fun and the science of it fun and approachable and transparent, they can empower individuals to make the best decisions for their skin. In their new book, Skincare Decoded, The Chemists Break Down the Overly Complex Skincare Industry by Dividing It into Three Sections. It's so much easier to understand, I have to say. I didn't think I was going to, but I did. There's a focus on skincare fundamentals, including cleansing, moisturizing, and sun protection. Then they do a deep dive into skincare, active ingredient superstars, including vitamin A, alpha hydroxy, <laughs> nicetamide, retinol, all those other fun ingredients that confuse us and an overall beauty routine guidelines for different skin types and concerns. I am so happy to have you both here. Welcome, Victoria and Gloria. How are you today? Good. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks for, for having, having us. us. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that was not that planned or scripted. Wow. <laughs> I have to say, I recently completed the book. It's great, especially for those of us that are so confused um, by, you know, the products and the, the ingredients and what's really good, but you break it down in a way that's really understandable. Like, and you don't need a science degree to understand. I like that you break it down in a layman's terms. Thank you so much. We needed this. This book was needed. I oh, was so happy to hear that. <laughs> we always say that we had quite a few existential crises while writing this book. And the reason was because we, we want to make sure our audience at Chemist Confessions sometimes can be a little advanced scientifically. So they're used to the big words. But while we're writing, we really want to make sure that anyone can pick up the book and learn something from it. And it, it, it took a lot of writing, rewriting, some booze, a lot of coffee to kind of get to a place where we felt like it was scientifically accurate, but still in a way that's fun and approachable. I yeah, have to I, say, I thought that, because like, I've been following you guys on Instagram for a while. And sometimes you would put up posts and I didn't quite get it. So I was a little afraid when I got the book that it was going to be over my head. But actually, I thought the book was easier to understand. And now helps me understand your Instagram posts better. Oh, that's awesome. Because, yeah, that was kind of the general feedback we knew. And Instagram is kind of a hard place since, you know, there's a word cap and Mm -hmm. people's attention span swiping. They need like really quick tidbits. and It just so happened that when we started, I think we like really brought in like some of the true like skincare junkies that when they asked us questions, we were blown away by stuff they knew. And then, um, 
yeah, that's like something we've been really wanting to like work on. And honestly, despite how painful it was writing the book, I'm really glad we could have this piece because I think that it really, it was also a good exercise for us to really figure out how could we make it even more approachable and just widen the right. audience, really the people that, that we truly wanted to hit, which were, you know, truly like lost souls, beginners, like I just didn't know anything and wanted a place to start, um, starting with a little bit of science. So yeah, yeah. I'm probably better than the average person, but then I didn't realize until I saw your Instagram, I was like, Oh boy. But you know, it, it's funny. Kind of crazy. We're, even for us, it gets kind of crazy. It's kind of like your book is sort of like the Grey's Anatomy of like skincare. I <laughs> Yeah, like <laughs> not to attack one somewhere. <laughs> Listen, the hot dog juice. Yeah. Well, the hot, hot dog juice? Did you say? Cartoons. I said missing the hot doctors, but we got the cute cartoons. So there's. Oh, that. oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, I totally. I, I thought you said hot dog juice because I just laughed at you. Said the fountain of you smells like meat products. Uh, <laughs> they smell like hot dogs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, exactly. Okay, so let me get with the first question. Let me get going with that. And so what is clean beauty and why is it so hot right now? We kind of see it as a trend that um, that kind of progressed from natural. And it really all goes uh, funnels down to the fact that people are looking for products that are safe. Um, I, I think a lot of it in the beginning is comes from this misguided notion that um, beauty industry is out to get you. Uh, there's a lot of mistrust um, and people don't, um, people are curious, but they're also worried that what they're using is not safe. So it kind of started out as a, a drive for to use natural ingredients, thinking that natural must be better than synthetics. And now I think the market has progressed in such a way that people understand now that, hey, um, Natural is complex and it doesn't necessarily mean it will work better. Um, and now clean is, I think, is a derivative from that trend where they do want safe and better. And it's more a more complete picture of looking at skincare. Yeah, I think um, it's still, I, I have to be honest, I still don't love it. I, we still don't love it um, because it's gotten more confusing now that they're starting to try to dabble in the gray area mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. ultimately actually a lot of the products we use are safe you know um and i think that a lot of brands have are starting to use clean beauty as kind of their like branding and that makes it very confusing because it becomes kind of a pissing match of who is more woke in the clean space but uh unfortunately a lot of the ingredients that do end up getting thrown on the brush, like they're actually very good. They're tried and true. You know, they've been tested for decades and um, it, it makes our job harder. We got a lot more things to write, you know, but um, ultimately I think on the, in terms of positive note, we see it as people are willing to do their research now and that makes us happy. You know, that means that they're willing to spend a little more time to find skincare that really works for them you know, that really makes their skin happy. It's not just, you know, I want to douse my skin in all these, you know, anti-aging actives, you know. So I think that, um, I don't know, it's it's both good and bad. I think a really great example is um, Drunk Elephant. I think they really gained a lot of fame, but I think they're Dirty Dozen, Dirty Six, something like yeah. that. They, suspicious they, Six. Suspicious Six, yeah. that they flag ingredients uh, and really pioneered the idea of no no list. But one of the biggest ingredients that they backtracked on on this stance is retinol. Um, and that just goes to show that 
um, as we're all taking this journey together, people are starting to notice these more nuanced things about ingredient safety. That's good. Well, I, I I have a question here because during the pandemic, um, I know people were turning to things in their home first skincare and that made me really nervous because, you know, something that could be good to eat, let's say like lemons, like you don't want to put that on your face. So, you know, I, I, there was that that little scary time there that I was like, oh boy, here we go. And people were like, please don't put that on your face. Please do not put lemon yeah. juice on your face. It is not good for you. You know, it's not going to be good. You're going to be in pain. And just because it burns doesn't mean it's good. You know, so yeah. in fact, yeah. it's it does not mean that. it's good. So let me ask you, so is, so is clean beauty better? I mean, are there, what are like your strict no, no. Like what, what are the no, no's besides obviously lemon? I would hope that's a no, no to put on. (laughs) I mean, I will say, uh, just the first question, um, clean beauty isn't better, but it's not going away. You know, um, that branding will be here to stay because all the big retailers are using it in their lingo. It's how they're filtering or like vetting the brands they take in. So, um, unfortunately it's not, but Hopefully for us, we see that as, you know, it's just, we need to, the consumer, honestly, it should be up to the consumer to build their clean, their clean list, you know, what works for their skin, what doesn't, what preservatives work for their skin. So ultimately that's, that's our stance. Um, And I don't think clean, the tagline clean should be like the ultimate decision maker in a person's like shopping choice. So yeah. And I think for us, yeah. What's on the no, no list though. Yeah, I don't think there, uh, as Victoria mentioned, there isn't a strict no-no list. Mm-hmm. Um, most ingredients you see, even the ones commonly flagged by clean brands, it's either one, not really common to begin with, or two, not as unsafe as people think. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that Victoria and I point out is um, there are two types of ingredients if you have sensitive skin that you can watch out for and want a patch test for. Is, um, one is essential oils. Um, some people can be sensitized by it. There was a big movement against synthetic fragrance um, for a few years now, and a lot of brands turned to essential oils. And essential oils are very complex ingredients. They are great to use, but that can be sensitizing for some people. And the second one is preservatives. So you'll usually find them all the way at the bottom of the list. They're the r- original scaremongering is the parabens, and you have common ingredients like phenoxyethanol, um, chlorphenicin, um, ethyl hexoglycerin, the benzoic acid, so on and so forth. Um, they might be uh, they might be a little scary and daunting to begin with, but once you can familiarize yourself with them, um, it's it's worth your time to kind of research into it because preservatives, while necessary, are some of the more common sensitizers in skincare. Yeah. Okay. And so they you- have terrible PR. If you, I'm sorry, I didn't mean <laughs> Like if you go through their Google yeah. rabbit hole, like they all make you think like they're going to cause cancer, they're endocrine disruptors. Oh, there's a lot like, of that. Yeah. It, yeah. It's not helpful. And we always have to remind people like you need preservatives, like your skincare yeah. can grow mold. Gloria and I have seen it with our eyes. It is ugly and it is not nice to your skin. So Ooh. it's still very important. Um, but yeah, it's okay. one that helps. Here's a question that I get asked a lot. Um, and hopefully you can break it down or I'm, I'm giving the advice correctly. So how do you layer skincare products together properly? And what are the signs you have not done so? Okay. That's a great question that we get a lot too. Okay. Um, the general rule of thumb is you want to go from more water to less water. 
<laughs> the reason being your skin is very fatty. The top layer, the outer layer is um, all waxes and oils. So if you put your oils, uh, if you put your water-based products after your creams, it's really not going to go anywhere. Yeah. So you start with your water-based products, and that's the most commonly toners, essences. Most serums are also water-based. And then you go into, say, your light lotions um, and creams that's heavier on the oils and waxes and the occlusives. Uh, an area we get asked and is face oils. Where does it go? There are people that say, hey, it comes before your cream. Um, there are also a lot of creams with great active ingredients that's water-based. So we usually say last step or you can mix with your um, creams. That's okay. And when in doubt, um, when, if you have multiple water-based products, go from lightest to thickest. Yeah. That's the general. Oh, I've been, I've been right on this. Yay. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So what are the signs then you haven't, you haven't layered them properly? Yeah. So, uh, I, I don't know about like visual cues, but probably the one thing where it, like more incompatibility is like the eraser dust pilling that you might get. Um, that's more, it's not so much that you're layering them in the wrong order. It's more that, um, there are certain ingredients that you probably have layered too much of, and it's just starting to ball up. Um, and this is like, we really like this for sunscreens because sunscreens, you need that proper film. And that is like a really, it's just not a good sign that you have, you're getting that proper protection. Mm -hmm. Um, and then in terms of other signs, I mean, there's not really all that much. Um, I would say that you probably know if you're layering too much is when your skin's just unhappy. You know, it's, it's too heavy. It's too greasy. It's uncomfortable. It's congested. Like those are all signs that, Hey, maybe like it's time to kind of dial down your routine a little bit. And also, you know, your skin can, the, the thing with skin is that it's like, it can only handle so much, you know, mm -hmm. like I know we want to like fix it overnight. We want to give it like the best it can, but it also just, it, it, needs time it really just needs time and, dil and diligence you know what what about for you know now that i'm you know i'm in the anti-aging sector and and you know i i see women a lot of women are asking a you know they want to keep their routine you know sleek and minimized and then there's other ones that are like oh my god i put on my skincare routine is now like takes me 20 minutes to get ready for bed because i'm you know got this whole routine like is that necessary with anti-aging? Like that as you get older, you have to like use more and more products. So that's one of the biggest commandments we, uh, skincare <laughs> commandments we put in the book is consistent is uh, consistency is key. Uh -huh. Um, there is a way to create a routine that's 20 steps long that every, every piece might play a role. We've met those people. <laughs> yes. And there, and we have the most respect for these people. As have I. As have I. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but the reality is consistency will go a lot further mm -hmm. and we all have to have realistic expectations of how, what we're going to do every night. Um, we always say that if you just wash your face, moisturize and use sunscreen every day, something as simple as these three steps. Um, if you can do it every day for a year, it's a lot it will go a lot further for you than having 20 steps that you remember every other month. Uh, and it. if it's any comfort, a lot of the studies that, you know, show wrinkle improvement with any sort of these actives, like their routines are actually very minimal. You know, they only have that one product and, um, but they use it twice a day 
every day for six to eight weeks, or sometimes even 12 weeks. And that's how they're, you know, able to see those results. So you have to be consistent and committed, basically. Exactly. So I think it's hard. It's, it's so easy to feel like there's so much out there that you're missing out on, you know, like the next serum to try or whatnot. And um, so yeah, just reminder, you don't have to do <laughs> oh sorry and i want to add one more thing is that when you have 20 products in your routine that is 20 more chances to invite irritation yeah. so if you have sensitive skin it's probably not a good idea to do that that's that's actually very wise uh what are some tried and true active ingredients and and like what active ingredients should never be used together some just don't play nice uh-huh. with each other so yeah, I mean, so we talk about the big four. So that that's and the reason why I call them the big four is they're the ones with the most data that's been around for the longest and just have shown proven benefits. So that's uh, retinol, that's uh, ascorbic acid, vitamin C, uh, that's the AHAs and um, niacinamide. Yeah, so those are the main four. And uh, <laughs> in terms of pairing. Um, so the, for the most part, niacinamide is probably the one that you really don't have to worry about in terms of mixing. Um, it's general vanilla. We love it. It goes well in everything. And now it's really in everything, which terrifies us a little bit. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I think a common combination. Again, layering is another category where there isn't one strict rule of if you mix this, your face will explode. um, It's kind of down to the individual. Um, The combo that we always advise going into with some caution is AHAs, that's your lactic acid and glycolic acid, um, with retinol. Um, Yeah, um, some people can handle that, but when you are new-ish to active ingredients, it's best to kind of leave them on separate nights. Um, we always advise that you kind of pick a main squeeze. If you're not on retinol, you might be enjoying a high-level glycolic acid. But let's say you want to venture into a retinol. That will change how your skin responds to these active ingredients. So just kind of relax a little bit, dial it back, um, have patience, and don't overdo it. I think I would also advise that if you do try to get into retinoids, like make that your main squeeze, um, especially if you don't know how your skin responds to it. Um, It takes time for everybody's skin will react to it differently. Some start reacting the next day, some react the week after. And so for you to understand how your skin responds on what timeline, then you can start incorporating the other actives and it'll be a much more successful successful route than you know suddenly you're like my I don't know how many times people ask us like my skin is so dry it's so flaky and red I don't know what to do you know and, and then they stop and then they stop yeah I'm like I can't walk around looking like my face is peeling off so I you know yeah. I start I start with the, my, my retinol and then it's like you know I give up Exactly. And you have to stick with it, but nobody wants to look like they're molting. Molting? molting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're developing a new face. Yeah. Well, if it, you know, I don't mind that necessarily, but it's, it's just, it's not attractive. So here's, a, here's another thing that I'm asked a lot because this is a really hot topic right now, and that is collagen. And, you know, there's ingesting collagen, which by the way, I've covered extensively and I continue to cover, but let's yeah. talk about it topically because does it work? topically in an anti-aging product? Generally speaking, not really. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I thought, right. So from a marketing angle, it's something that people gravitate towards. So um, I I wouldn't say, hey, 
collagen doesn't necessarily work as an anti-ager to hydrator. Therefore, collagen products are bad. A lot of times what happens is brands are at a place where they have to make, um, they have to call out ingredients that they know people are going to gravitate towards. Um, so a lot of collagen-based anti-aging products have supporting ingredients that will make the product as a whole um, do something that's more than nothing. But, <laughs> um, but the ingredient itself. Yeah. Like, that's where we're like, we, we don't recommend like choosing that and expecting like a product with collagen to actually help your collagen. Um, actually, right. the molecule is quite big. Well, you're so putting it on topically. So I don't, exactly. it's not, it's, if you think about it, it means it's got to absorb all the layers of your skin. Right. It like makes no sense. It just it's actually acts more as a moisturizing ingredient. Right. Um, right. But we do have to say we mm-hmm. did a, a collaboration. collaboration with Algenis mm-hmm. and they synthesized their own collagen molecule. Um, it's proprietary to them. And that molecule, they like run it through the ringer in terms of testing. And they actually found it to provide um, anti-aging benefits. So that would be like a scenario where we have to say, hey, like there are brands that are looking into molecule, these collagen molecules that can actually provide that kind of benefit. And you have to look for their testing. That, that's yeah, really yeah. the only time. Maybe that means that, you know, more is coming, you know, because it is, yeah. I mean, college and, you know, usually collagen, you would hope it's, it's paired with a hyaluronic acid, which of course, right. always feels good on your skin. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I can see, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily turn away from a collagen product topically, but I wouldn't look to it to be like... I think that's such a good point. When the ingredient has buzz, whether good or bad, that usually leads to more research. So CBD and anything hemp was such a big deal a couple of years ago. When it first came out, we didn't really have a lot to say other than, well, hey, there isn't a lot of data, but if your skin likes your skin looks it. The train is moving. Yeah, the train is moving, <laughs> but because it has so much buzz, we're expecting to see a lot more studies, yeah. a lot more science to come out okay, of it. Let's let's talk about that. So CBD, that's something like I personally, um, I don't mind like taking a CBD drop or something internally, but I when I see all these skincare products with CBD in them, I immediately say no thanks. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's not, it's not for me. And I, I know people are like, oh my God, I love CBD in my skincare products. And I'm like, okay, but I don't. So, you know, and I get pitched all the time and I, I never want to try it. Like I just, it's like somewhere I just don't want to go. I think I we're in the general, like same boat. We definitely approach it with a lot of skepticism um, just because when the trend is there, mm-hmm. that means the beauty industry is running before they know how to walk. And so- for us, um, we always tell people with trends, like if the brand does testing, like clinical testing um, and can pr- and share those that data with you, then that's like a much better insurance policy. But I think with CBD, one of our issues is the ingredient is actually really hard. It's really hard for us to decipher mm-hmm. because there's a specific molecule that that actually is the active component, but CBD as an ingredient skincare could be anything. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the wild west. It's the wild west. Exactly. There's no. There's no rules, yeah. and when there's no rules, the beauty industry takes a lot of liberty. Yeah, <laughs> they do. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I'm of the, I'm of the school of thought that you know, if there's a big hot trend like this, I, I'm going to take the wait and see approach. You know, yes. I don't want to be the first. I'll <laughs> let yeah. other people be test dummies for that one, and then you know, I'm, I'm not willing to 
to ruin my skin or, you know, try something like that. Yeah. I think also for us, it's more a money thing too. Like, you know, it's, I, we, it's the same with microbiome. Like we're really excited about all the research in microbiome, but how that actually applies to skincare, we have no clue. So we're also in the wait and see bucket, but we hope it grows. Like we really want to see that like expand out because I, yeah, I think it's really important for overall skin health. Yeah. Oh, that's okay. So now, now that we, well, what about peptides then? Let's talk about peptides. <laughs> peptides is really difficult for even chemists to talk about because it's just not all peptides are created equal. Most uh, peptides don't work. Yeah. Most peptides don't work. <laughs> we actually talked to um, Sederma. Sederma is a company that creates a lot of peptides and they're the creators behind a really famous Matrixel 3000 molecule. And they walked us through their research process, some of the behind the scenes work. And they're like, I, we can pump out 20 new peptides a day, but that means that, but none of them might, um, most of them don't work. Most of them don't do anything. You have to go through a screening process and kind of like throwing things at the wall and seeing what sticks. Um, and so Soderma puts their molecules through a lot of clinical testing. It goes from the Petri dish stage to, um, to in clinicals to kind of validate that it works. And then you have to worry about whether or not it's stable in your formula. The same, it's hard to say the same about all the peptides that are available on the market. And it's incredibly, um, it's data that's very well guarded by the creators of the peptides. So it's hard enough for us chemists to sit there. If you look at an ingredient list, sometimes it's hard to link back to the actual creators and the source of um, this peptide. Mm-hmm. And, and then there's always a new one like uh, on the market. So on the consumer end, it's really it's really difficult. difficult yeah. Definitely. And the other thing that's, um, think of peptides as like a whole library of ingredients. And so some peptides are robust and they're fine in formula. Some are not, some are actually a lot more sensitive and degrade or maybe don't penetrate as well. And so it's, I, I know people always ask like, what about this peptide or this pep- peptide? And we're just like, like it's it really hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there isn't a single, I think most people associate peptides with um, anti-aging. Mm-hmm. And if you do some digging, not all peptides are for anti-aging. Mm-hmm. There are ones that's, that triggers um, soothing benefits. There are ones that's for skin brightening. And none of those are information you're really going to gather by just reading ingredient lists. So. So how does somebody then, you know, like myself or someone that knows maybe even less, how do we decipher? I mean, how do we know? Yeah. So I think it's a bit of a broken record. Um, but, uh, you know, you, you really, again, have to look for grants to do their due diligence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And we will say in this department, look for, um, there are a few very popular peptides such as Matrixel. Um, and there are brands that will advertise this ingredient. Um, and so that's a pretty good indication. Yeah. So what other ones do you think for anti-aging that women should look for? Yeah. So there's Poloxyl, which is also similar to Matrixel. Um, I think, what else? They have an eyeless. Yeah. Um, Look for tra- certain trade names. Um, many peptide-containing products won't advertise the peptide's trade name. Um, so Matrixel, um, Haloxyl, Eyeless, those are all trade names of the um, peptide, peptide brand. So, but most products on the market you'll see just says, has peptide. And yeah. that's, um, I'm not saying, that's not necessarily bad, but that's not 
helpful if you want to do your research. Great. Yeah. See, it's just email us and we'll look into it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to direct message you is what I'm going to do. I, mean, I want to say this is a personal take. I'm not, I haven't seen a lot of great data from straight amino acid blends. There are yes. products out there that will just have lysine, uh, yes. leucine, like just a li- whole long list of amino acids. Yes. I haven't seen a lot of great data supporting Can't that convert. kind of work. Yeah. I agree. Excellent. Okay. Good to know. Okay. Here, here's, here's the million dollar question. Literally. Okay. Um, how do I know if a very, very expensive product is worth the money? Ah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> For us, this is kind of an arbitrary cutoff just based on our experience. Um, I personally haven't seen anything over $150 to be really worth it. Oh, okay. <laughs> so uh, there are a lot of clinical brands will have products in the $100, $120, $150. Um, kind of range and they're backed by maybe something more proprietary something that has clinical studies something um, just things that kind of justify the price tag now there's a million reasons behind this price tag that um, from what we see this is just uh, the, the clinical data is what backs out for a consumer um, above that price point is where it gets very very floofy <laughs> yeah and the other thing I would add is like we champion a lot of clinical brands just because they they have to do their science, you know, um, and there there have there have to be more evidence based. Mm-hmm. Um, there is one that I like to say that I kind of approve of, which is um, Estee Lauder's Advanced Night Repair. Oh, okay. more because of their history of that. I'm talking about the actual serum. Yeah. Not the eye cream, not anything that's branched off of it, just that serum. Yeah. Um, I think there, However, um, yeah, there is that val- valid validity that comes with, you know, this, how long it's been around for. And Estee Lauder, they continue to patent that formula. And so I think with that patent work, you know that there's continued work behind the serum. And that's where mm-hmm. I would like to say like that, even though we don't know a lot about the serum, a lot of that is proprietary. I think there is validity to that serum. And honestly, it's not the most expensive one. No, it's not, I was going to say, it's, it's not that bad compared to exactly. a lot of what I've seen out there right now. Yes. It's great. Because, you know, yeah. okay, what about, okay, what about this one? Since we, let's talk about a brand here. What about, because I have people that feel one way emphatically or the other, and that is La Mer. Let's talk about La Mer. Yep. <laughs> you don't want to talk about it, do you? But that's like the one that people are like, is it worth the money? And I generally say no. But then there are some people that just love it and swear by it. And I certainly don't want to rain on their parade. But, you know, I'd rather spend my money elsewhere. I think there's stuff that's better that's not as expensive. But that's me. But and maybe you can't say what you feel about it. But so we probably completely agree with you. And we just tell people, like, hey, at the end of the day, the the ultimate role is if it works for your skin and makes you happy and all things are good, you can ignore anyone, <laughs> ignore everyone, you know, but yeah. My personal cutoff is if I can buy a PlayStation with it, I'm not going to show all that money, <laughs> but everyone's personal cutoff is different. So. Yeah. But I, I think we ultimately agree. And the one I think that really hurts us is like the Lamerca cleansers they are so <laughs> expensive and cleansers are just not the best format to get those anti-aging ingredients so like of all the ones like please like that's the one where we're just don't like you don't have your cleanser yeah save yeah. it for your serum save it for your cream your lotion yeah. whatever but not your cleanser i understood yeah 
I mean, yeah. so what's a good cleanser? What's like in the anti-aging category? Like what would be a good, somewhat affordable cleanser that you would recommend? I think this is, uh, like Victoria said, this is definitely one where you don't have to go expensive at all. Um, especially as you age, though, skin tends to become drier. So if you start with dry skin like me, it becomes very dry. So um, with cleanser, a good cleanser just anything that doesn't strip your skin. Um, and this can be a little personal. Um, you're looking for something that's not soap-based and it has uh, gentle surfactants like Cocoa betaine is a very popular one, but you might want to try a non-cocoa betaine cleanser as well because it's so common and it does work really well. There's a chance that you are irritated by cocoa betaine. So um, those are some of the general thoughts in terms of actual product. I think, you know, people don't realize, and you might have read it in our book, is that like cleansing can kind of be an anti-aging move because, you know, to remove the day, remove the grime, Mm -hmm. accumulation of like pollutants and things like that. That there's studies done that show how pollutants can impact skin health, can be the cause of pigmentation. So Mm -hmm. it's things like that where it's just like if you have a good cleanser that does remove, you know, your makeup and sunscreen and your skin, you know, your skin feels clean like and doesn't strip, that's that's it. That's all you need. That is anti-aging for cleansers. Yeah. And definitely don't feel the need to switch out your cleanser as you age, unless you're starting to feel like your original cleanser is giving you that squeaky feel. It's um, starting to get into the drying territory. Good. Okay. And what, what about like using like something to take off the makeup before you cleanse? You know, like that, that seems to be a big category right now. You mean like cleansing brushes? No, like, like a makeup remover. Like a makeup remover. Yeah. Oh, yeah, um, that's a go. Uh, I personally prefer oil cleansers, but my skin is dry. So um, I still look for oil cleansers that doesn't have any residue. So the double cleansing is optional. Um, but I find that it, just, it, it can remove my makeup with the least amount of tugging. Right. Okay. Uh, wow, this, is, this has been interesting. So um, I know you can't like say some brands that we should be looking at, but you've definitely give us, <laughs> given us, and you don't in your book, which I really like. And by the way, um, the book is amazing and it's called Skincare Decoded, The Practical Guide to Beautiful Skin. I really suggest you buy this book and read it because it's actually, it's fun to read. Um, you guys make it kind of fun. I love, <laughs> I love your sense of humor. <laughs> and, um, it, it's, it's easy. I, I love it. It's really kind of become like a Bible, you know, and it, like, I love this. You have one right here. I love this made me laugh about shopping for retinol. And how you have like in a bottle, you have in a container, a jar, you're like, no. And then you <laughs> and you say, meh, you know, like that goes <laughs> better is with a pump. And then, you know, the best is in a tube. And, and, you know, that's something too, like packaging is super important when it comes to your products, you know, things like, so you kind of cover like all these things that, that you kind of know in the back of your mind, but you're like, oh yeah, oh yeah, this makes sense, you know? So Actually, I didn't feel as stupid as I thought I might reading. Oh, oh good. That's <laughs> <laughs> definitely not our goal. No, no. But it, and I got to tell you now, when I go read your Instagram, I, I actually understand it better. Oh, good. We also are going to work on that. We've been trying. We've like really wanted. It's just so, like the word count kills us. Yeah. Like, and for, for me, it's it's a lot of big oh. words, you know, it's like, yeah. words. it's, you know, the things that I have, the, the words that, you know, and the, the 
the molecules and the, you know, like it's, it's like, it's, it's a lot for me because, you know, I haven't taken science in like, you know, a hundred years. So, um, but it does, I mean, your, your Instagram is definitely has, as it's, it's a niche and you have those people that are like really into that sciencey stuff that <laughs> love it. And then there's people like me that are like, oh, I don't understand this. But then when I read your book, I was like, oh yeah, okay. And then yeah. I went back and now I read your post and I'm, I, I understand them better, not necessarily fully, but, <laughs> but that's okay. That's okay. You know, I think it's, I think it makes me strive to learn it. Yeah. Good. So I, I really, <laughs> I think everybody should, especially because as I said, I have so many women like texting me and like, what about this? And what, and, and by the way, I love it. Like, this is how, this is to me, I have so much fun, like trying to find things out Yeah. for them, you know, and then I go down that rabbit hole because out of that, I'll get a podcast or I might get a, I might get an article or I might get an Instagram mm-hmm you know, something out of that because I went down the rabbit hole. It might've been something that I didn't even consider or think about until someone, until I had the question asked. And if it's repeatedly, then I know that it's a trend or I know that this is something, you know, so I, I, I strongly urge women to re- get this book and read it. If you really want to try to understand your skincare products and you know, what you're putting on your face. So. Oh, awesome. I, I have to say, like, I think the community, the Instagram community was like, it's been there, you know, social media in general can sometimes be quite ugly, but yeah. I think the thing that I realize is we, we do these like community polls and it's been really cool to see how that has evolved. Cause ultimately I realized like skincare just like bring people together. It's like a talking point mm-hmm. for a lot of people. And something that I noticed when we were working in the labs is when you do consumer studies and you kind of, you do these polls with them, like, it's the one way that breaks the ice with them. They talk That's about history. It's like memories and nostalgia and whatnot. And so I would say that like, that's kind of the cool thing for us is just seeing how people can bond over like helping each, helping lawsuits and people who really struggle with their skin, talk about recommendations and whatnot. And that's like, Social media can be a dark place, and I would say that's the one thing that I like. Helps us. <laughs> now, there's a lot. rays of hope there. You guys must get a ton of direct messages. You yeah, we yeah, do. We do. <laughs> They're mostly very sweet. We yeah. get one or two kind of great, great ones. <laughs> no, no, but I mean, just in general, like you know, because I know I've asked you guys, like, well, you know, this is how I approached you guys, and you sent me yeah. the book and whatever, and. And it's, it's, you know, it's interesting, but you know, I, a couple of times I've like wanted to text you like, should I be trying this or, you know, <laughs> please zero people do it all the time. <laughs> Sometimes it might take us a while to respond, but yeah. we get to it. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Well, you guys, thank you so much. This has been fantastic. Again, the book is skincare decoded, uh, the practical guide to beautiful skin by Victoria Fu and my other guest, Gloria Liu. Thank you so much. You guys are great. Um, I'm just going to wrap it up here. Uh, If you've enjoyed this episode, please be sure to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us out a lot. And I have a new pro-aging podcast weekly. So please email Lauren at fountainof30.com for sponsorship opportunities. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, stay safe with your skincare. Bye.